Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. So Luke chapter 6, you there? I want to read a couple of things that I've actually, uh, I'm dangerous with notes. Those that know me, I don't usually go with notes, but I've typed out a bunch today, so... I'm really dangerous, and uh, but I do want to talk tonight on the subject of apostolic ministry. I have never, I, I tell you what, I listened to someone preach this week, and probably out of 20 plus years, I've never heard someone preach, and I've, I've been into some services now. I mean, I've read everything Bethel's put in print. If it was on a napkin, I've read it. And in 20 minutes, I've never heard the revelation come out of somebody's mouth like was coming out of this man's mouth. He's dead and gone now. But it encouraged me. And I went home and I told Catherine, I said this. I said, I know nothing about the kingdom of God. And I said, but I'll tell you this. I promise you this. I will study to show myself approved. And I got back in there. And I cut the, I usually watch the news at night. I cut that off and I got Brian Simmons' Passion Translation and I just begin to read. And I said, God, speak to me because I don't know nothing. I got a long ways to go. But I was so encouraged uh, to hear a message like that from so many years back of just where God has taken the church. Because I'm telling you, the church is about to go uh, un- undergo a major, major metamorphosis. Most of what we call the church is nothing but man-made religion where you and I live. There's no true kingdom demonstration. We don't find what's in the book of Acts found in our local church, which we should see it. Would we all agree with that? Jesus left it with, these works you see me do, greater shall you do because I go to the Father. And Jesus didn't leave us, leave us as orphans. He left us with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the task in which he's given us. So we have what is needed to fulfill the journey. We've just got to learn how to press into that realm that's available. And to get that, uh, I I believe one of the keys is this. And so um, I want to read this to you. Um, Actually, I was going to show the video, but it doesn't make it. But how many knows who Chuck Pierce is? Raise your hands. Chuck Pierce is recognized as a prophet. Uh, Actually, he's recognized as a, like Bill Hammond, I guess you would say, and a prophet, uh, apostle prophet, uh, I guess, um, I always say it like this. There's nobody walking with the total package. Lex Luger's in retirement, okay? But he, uh, he was recognized for a prophet for the long time, and Peter Wagner has now come back and recognized because Choke Pierce is leading a large network. Well, just some, maybe this was, Matt, when did he prophesy this? This was in 2018, right? Yeah, 2018, within the last few months, that he prophesied over Damon Thompson, and he made this decree, the new wineskin, or the new, the new blueprint for the new wineskin is found in South Carolina. And so when we went to South Carolina, when last week was it, we were in, we were in South Carolina last week, we actually stayed in Aiken, South Carolina. And I did not know till this weekend where Catherine and I were at, we met a couple that was just in Aiken, South Carolina. And they said that Aiken, South Carolina got the best small town in, in the United States in 2018. But if you go where Damon is, First of all, you about need a four-wheel drive vehicle. Would you attest to that? We got something cracking back here, and if you could fix it for me, I'd appreciate it. I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I, I see out of orderness. So I'm trying to correct it. But um, the roads are horrible. So we need to pray that they get some roads built up there. And uh, the, it, I'm just telling you, they're, they're really, really bad. That, that, that's no joke. I'm just telling you. And a matter of fact, I told uh, Terry, we took his Suburban, and he said he just put a brand new set of Michelins on there. And matter of fact, we got back now Terry's vehicles in the, the transmission gone. So that tell you how bad it is. There's some bad roads up there. I said, we need the Longhorn up here. I mean, if you hadn't had the Michelins on there, we'd be, we'd be uh, calling Uber. And I don't even know if Uber would even show up out here where we at. What I'm trying to tell you is there's nothing there. There's nothing there. And the church is built within a hundred yards of a chicken plant. Processing plant. And there's nothing there. The building will only hold maybe 125 people at the max. If you've seen the Carolina Revival on live stream, 
And behind the church is a wooded area, and there's this nice big lodge cabin that is built with a great room that can maybe, that, uh, uh, Mark Castro, we were eating with him, and he said it could hold 200 people. I dare say it would hold 125, and that's, you better, everybody have, better have right guard on or something. You know what I'm saying? It's tight. So what I'm saying is, is there's nothing in the natural that someone would look at Damon where he's at in Batesburg, South Carolina, and say that God is about to release a blueprint for what he's wanting to build is that. But what we found out that, and what Damon's finding out, that the new big is actually small. God loves the no-name towns. He showed up in Nazareth, and they said, could anything good come from Nazareth? Come on, somebody. He, he burst the son of the living God in a manger. This is where it starts. And so what we realize, what we're realizing is with this new blueprint that what makes God, what makes South Carolina, what makes that a blueprint is that there's a voice sitting in South Carolina. There's a voice of an apostolic leader that is roaring out in that wilderness, if you will. What made John great was he was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. He wasn't echoing what somebody else was saying. Come on, somebody. He had made it in the throne room of God to where he became a voice saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on. I'll, I'll baptize with water, but there's one coming after me whose latchet of sandals I'm not worthy to loose that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He had a divine revelation. This is what made John. Jesus said among those born of women, none has risen great the John. Why? Because he had the ability to see and recognize the current move of God, but he said he was born in the kingdom. The least born in the kingdom is greater than John. That shows you the power of the realm that is available to us in the church. You all right? So this new wineskin, nothing about it is attractive, but this is what Damon's message is. If you listen to Damon Thompson, this is what his message is. He preaches proximity to Jesus, a life of devotion and general legacy where most of the church is still caught up trying to build monuments of themselves not even realize that the tide has shifted. It's no more that we're going to gather around a one-man system. I'm telling you, that's over with. God is not building a one-man system. But Bill Hammond prophesied this years ago and he wrote it in his book, The Day of the Saints, when he said should have kicked into gear around 2008. That means that was a decade ago. What God is releasing on the earth is a saint's movement. When Billy Graham went to be with the Lord, what did the prophet say? What was on Billy would come on an entire body. This is exciting. Y'all excited about this? What was on one man's go come on now? Our entire body. The same with Jesus. He said in Acts chapter 1, the same Jesus you see, why you men stand here gazing, the same Jesus that you see here going up will come down in like manner. The same thing that was upon his life came on 120 believers in the upper room. And now it's upon 6 million people on the face of the earth. Man, we should be shaking this globe. So this new wineskin. Listen to this. Peter Wagner, who wrote the book on about apostles years ago. I read that thing. I don't know. It's, it's been a long time ago. But Peter Wagner describes a paradigm shift in his life. And this is what he describes this shift from denominational government to apostolic government. As moving from a bureaucratic authority to personal authority. Listen to this. Moving from a bureaucratic authority, you know what bureaucracy is. Bureaucracy is like setting scaffolding up beside the house, intending to paint the house. But for 25 years, you paint the scaffolding till the house falls down. That's what bureaucracy is. To personal authority, from legal structure to relational structure, and from control to coordination, and from rational leadership to charismatic leadership. 
Apostolic government then is shifting away from a bureaucratic authority, legal structure, and control and rational leadership. And a shift toward personal authority. Come on, somebody. We're not here to fence you in and say, come here the latest, greatest teaching from Pastor John. We're here to empower you to raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the leper. Freely you have received, freely you give. Come on, somebody. I'm not the only preacher in this room. We should have a house full of preachers in this room that knows how to give an account for the hope that is on the inside of them. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's a shift towards personal authority, relational structure, coordination, and charismatic leadership. For apostolic government to be effective, it must rely on personal leadership of apostles rather than organizational systems. God's done with the systems of man. I was, I was, I come home and I told Kevin after hearing this message, and I'm telling you, they, he was dropping bombshells. It blows some of your theology out, so we'll just hold them right there, okay? But of where the church is headed. If you read Paul's unveiling of the mystery in the book of Ephesians, man, God is not coming back for some weak kneed, wimpy church. He's coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish whose body is in proportion to her head. And most of the church down here in the South, my God, I feel like preaching tonight, still sees themselves as some sin, simply some sinner saved by grace. God is trying to move us from our identity to friends, to, to the bride, and then to mature into the sons of God that Romans 8 says that the earth is groaning out in travail, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, to walk in their identity on the earth. Y'all right? And I can preach grown men stuff in here on Wednesday night now. This is what the earth is travailing for. The earth is waiting. Where are the sons of God? Where are those that look like God on the face of the earth? Now, we, we realize that, listen, the wineskin that Jesus is building, it's not the system of man. He's actually hitting it with a wrecking ball as we speak tonight, tearing it down. One man shows is going to crumble to the ground in the days ahead. It will not stand under the weight that God's bringing to the church. When you study when Steve builds a house or Jesse builds a house, he can't go out there and build the house the way he wants to. Even if Jesse knows how to cut the corners, he knows this, that there is something called code enforcement, that he has to obey the codes. The codes is in place, if you will, so that it will protect the structure in which he's building, right? Because tornadoes don't kill people, buildings do. Hurricanes don't kill people, buildings do. Buildings that are not built to code crumble underneath the weight when we cry out for God to come he comes with a weighty presence are you with me now he comes with a weighty presence and when it is not built on the right foundation which Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone when his weight comes it will reveal the cracks of man-made systems as the more he comes and shows up with his glory all right so listen this so what God is building, look at your neighbor and say, I, what God is building, the new wineskin, is an apostolic ministry. Now this, is, this, is, this should not be foreign to this house, so let's just say that we're teaching it for the, for the sake of the podcast or, or for the sake of the live stream that we're teaching tonight. But to understand apostolic ministry, you must first understand what is an apostle? Are you with me now? So I want to go through this. I've got, I'm telling you, I've got some bad to the bone stuff. I promise you. Where are we going? Luke chapter 6. Look at this. By the way, this is the first ministry that Jesus introduces. Apostolic ministry. It is the first ministry that Jesus introduced, but yet it is the most foreign to the church where you and I are at. And one of the things that happened, listen, one of the things that happened is what we fight against, especially where I live at in the South, where God called me, is a lot of people, a lot of people has embraced sensationalist. And a sensationalist believes that when the ministry, when the ministry or the canon of scripture became complete, that the ministry of the apostle and prophet left. 
But the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that they shall remain until what? The saints become mature. So where did this, where did this come in? So I, I've been studying myself. When, when Martin Luther, who started the Reformation with the 95 Thesis, you remember he nailed onto the wall of the church in Wittenberg, Germany, that he tried, to, he tried to start a conversation, but instead of starting a conversation, he started a Reformation. And one of the things in that thesis that he believed is that the Catholic Church had bought into that the Pope was, has, had, was a successor of, they believe he was a successor uh, as an apostle to Peter. Where did they get that from? When Jesus looked at Peter, Matthew 16, and said, upon my church, I, upon this rock, I will build my church. We know that God wasn't saying that he was going to build the church on Peter. He was talking about upon the revelation that he had of God. That's what he would build the church on. They also believed that the Pope was infallible. Other words, he could not make a mistake. We know that that's crazy. Any man can make a mistake. Come on, somebody. We've all made mistakes in this room, and we all need the grace and the mercy of God. So in that, Martin Luther, because in that, he, he despised the fact that the Pope believed it, that he was a successor of that apostolic lineage. So he said that he started believing that when the canon of scripture was complete, that these gifts, these gifts were, they, they, they were, they no longer existed because now the canon of scripture was complete. And how many knows this, that we live in a day of the restorative plan of God, that God is restoring truth back to the church. Come on, if you will. He's rebuilding the church. You understand, right? We, we are growing. We're maturing. All right, now let's look at this. So what is an apostle? Let's go to Luke chapter 6. You there? My God, we ain't going to get into this, but we're going to get as far as we can, okay? I won't put more on you than you can tote. Look at this. All right. At daybreak, he called together all of his followers and selected 12 from among them, he appointed them to be apostles. This is the first time this, church, this term is introduced in scripture. Apostolos, the Greek word apostolos. He calls what? All of those, this is at the beginning of his ministry, and Jesus did not have 12 men at this time. He had more than 12. The scripture just says he brought all of his followers to him. And he selected out from among that crowd 12 who he would name apostolos, apostles. When he gave them the name, he was giving them the origin of which their assignment would be. He's prophesying their destiny. He's prophesying their assignment, how they would carry it out in that word apostolos when he does this. Now we know from verse 12 that Jesus didn't walk out and just call them up there to him and scan the crowd and says, well, I believe he would be good. Look at him. The Bible says in verse 12 that Jesus spent all night in prayer. So Jesus didn't select them. The father had selected them for Jesus in prayer. Come on, y'all. Stay with me right here. Jesus selected, God the Father selected the 12 in which he would choose after that all night prayer meeting being away with God. He calls them up and he says, all right, I got 12 that I heard last night in the realm of prayer who Father said had the gift to be apostolos. You with me? All right. This name would reflect the role and purpose. In terms used at this time, an apostle was an official who was sent by a government official to represent the government. Jesus could have called them a priest. They knew what priests were. He could have called them a prophet. Yet he chose a secular term used by the Roman Empire, apostolos. It is a Greek word that means sent out one. The Greek used the word to describe, the Greeks used the word to describe an admiral over a fleet of ships sent out by the king to conquer other territories and to establish his government in those territories. Apostles were to change the culture so much that if a king was to visit the land they conquered, it would just look like where the king lived himself. Does this not give a whole new meaning for the church? Most people in this regional area believe that they go to a church and their primary job is to wait on the rapture. 
I ain't got time. I can get thrown out of here tonight, but I don't believe that the rapture's happening nowhere any time in my lifetime if I live to be 110 years old. This is how much ground we got to go. You live in your holiness like he's coming in the morning, but you plan and have vision for the future like he's not coming for your lifetime. This has cost us. The rapture mentality has cost us so much momentum because we, we, we took it out of neutral. We put it in neutral and we just waited on God to come like a hev- in a heavenly helicopter to come rescue the church out of debt, out of misery, out of pain, out of suffering. But he's never coming like that. He's coming for a bride that is so passionately in love with him that loves him more than they love the world. My God, I want to preach. I feel to preach on me tonight, Steve Bass. Listen to me. Listen to me right here. Changing culture is one of the is one of the responsibilities of apostles. Not church culture, but society's culture as well. Apostles look at society and they say, my God, the church is a solution to that. They look at the drug problem in their community and know that it's not the sheriff's department's job. They know it lies at the foot of the church. When they see wickedness in the city, they know it's not to be handled by Washington, D.C., but at the foot of the church. It is through this preaching that the saints see more than the walls of their church. They begin to see the city in which they live in and say, my God, I must be an answer to this. This is what is missing out of the pulpits. We have, listen church, we know how to do church, but we don't know how to do kingdom. And the culture that we're, we're supposed to change has affected us instead of us infecting the culture. Listen to me, when Jesus said, I leave you, you are the salt of the earth. One thing about salt is this. Listen, in Jesus' day, he was not talking about salt adds flavor. What he meant to salt was preserve something. I have a salt water pool in my backyard. And anything that you put that is man-made material by that pool, all you have to do, don't you, Donna, is just leave it sitting there. That salt will eat up anything man-made. This is what Jesus was saying, the power of the church. Every, I just leave you in a place in society. And the salt that is on your life should be eating up the man-made systems all in this city. And it should be preserving everything that is kingdom in this city. Come on, somebody. I came to talk to a few people tonight in here that believe that God has called you on the earth to make a difference. You're not here waiting on some heavenly helicopter. You found a real place in God that you believe you can make a difference. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Those that know me and that if I don't know you, I won't hardly talk to you in public. This morning I was getting my hair cut. And so they know me to be a preacher. And so one of them addressed me in in the building. And he said, what about you, preacher? Do you preach politics? So we got on the subject of abortion real quick. Before I knew it, I was crying and I was shaking and I was talking about the issue of abortion. And I looked around in that room and there wasn't a man in there that had his head held up high. He was looking straight at the ground. That is the kingdom of God advancing. We should shift mindsets when we walk in the room. My God, do you understand what is a prevailing over city? Do you understand God has got us here in the backwoods right here in the country? What? The launch truth. Truth is a powerful thing. Come on, someone. Truth combats the lies of man-made religion. Truth empowers people to rise up and be who God said they are. When the devil said you ain't nothing but worthless, when you hear the truth of God saying you're a son of God, you're beloved, you're pursued, you're passionately loved, truth enters your heart and starts rising you up. God, I didn't realize I'm, I'm a little bit Pentecostal tonight. Changing culture is one of the responsibilities of apostles, not just church cultures, but society's culture as well. When Jesus named his disciples apostles, he was telling them, when I send you out, listen what he's saying. When I send you out, I want you to so transform Society. So if my father came into the world, he would feel right at home. Jesus set this lifestyle up from day one when he called them, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, pray like this, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth 
Come on, church. I know, the, I know what the Bible says in, 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 in the book of Thessalonians that where Paul wrote to Thessalonica and he said that in a twinkling of an eye, in a moment, we shall be called up at the sound of the trumpet. I believe in the rapture of the church. I just don't believe in the rapture of the church the way most people believe in it. When you start telling people, you go to some religious system, and Matt's been with me where, where we thought that they were going to try to kill me before I got out of the building. This was probably 14 years ago. Remember that? Uh, we had to send men out to crank the truck up because they hated me that bad because I told them the rapture couldn't happen that night. And the man says, there's no way you can know that. Well, if you read the Bible, the Bible says we, we shall not know the day nor the hour, but he rebuked them for not even knowing the seasons. Come on, he said, even the Pharisees can discern the seasons. They know how to look at the sky and say, tomorrow's going to be a good fishing day, and you can't even discern the season. Jesus never, anything in the Bible never happened just on a, just a normal day. He, the Spirit of God didn't fall after nine days being in prayer. Come on, it fell on the 50th day. Passover. I'm going to I'm fitting chase some trails right there, but y'all already know that. I'm, I'm going to quit chasing trails right here. Let's go on. All right. The word apostle is mentioned 79 times in the King James Version of the New Testament. It is the, it is the most common calling in the New Testament. The word pastor only appears once. In Ephesians 4 verse 11, we have built our whole church government on something that is specifically mentioned only one time. Now let's go on a little further, a little further right here. True apostolic ministry is the foundation of the church. Ephesians 2.20 says that we have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Listen to this. The greatest obstacle to a genuine move of God is the way our current leadership models are structured. The global body of Christ is not being trained, equipped, and reaching the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God because they are only being exposed to the ministry of one man on a consistent basis. Apostles raise up elders with plurality of leadership. Did you hear what I said? The most, listen to me, the greatest obstacle to revival breaking out in this nation is not the devil. But it is the current wineskin in which the church embraces. You can fast, you can pray, you can cry, you can fast yourself to death. But Jesus said, no man puts a new cloth on, no man sews a new garment on an old cloth. And no man puts new wine into an old wineskin. So, so our, our mentality and our, our, we've got to shift the way we're doing church. Just call me some rare dude, but I heard a guy this week said that he hates, <laughs> he said hate religious people. To sit down, I'm just telling you this. We say this for the podcast. But to sit down with most believers, they're like infants trying to talk to somebody in diapers. If you, My God right here, help me Holy Ghost. If I went and asked you to tell me about your life in God, most people would say this, I was born again in 1985. But I have never walked up to a grown man and he pulled out his wallet and showed me the picture where he was born and said I was born in 1979. Why are we in the church, your encounter with God, when we talk about encounters, why are you still pointing back to something that happened in 1985? You should have something that just happened this morning in the realm of prayer. You, My good God Almighty, y'all come on. You should have something current in your life. What have you done as a believer? Most people get saved and never move beyond diapers in the realm of the spirit. The book of Hebrews says it like this. You ought to be teachers by now, but you still need to have someone to teach you. 
Let me tell you how that happens. You don't mature by coming and listening to me on Sundays. You mature in your private time in your own devotion to God. Dale didn't set me down and read to me. I had to read myself. Come on, somebody. What he did was had an anointing on his life and had passion for God that inspired me to have passion for God and put hunger in my own heart to get out and search it for myself. Ah, my, my, my. All right. The greatest obstacle to a genuine move of God, I'm going to say it again, is the way our current leadership models are structured. The global body of Christ is not being trained, equipped, and reaching the fullness of the knowledge of the Son of God because they are only being exposed to the ministry of one man on a consistent basis. Apostles raise up elders with plurality of leadership. If it is built right, the man that is leading the movement could be able to step away and nothing would ever fall short of the meeting. If I lead it right, all of my sons will walk with the same anointing and greater of anointing than I have. Have you not seen the progression in Stanton over the last six months that you've heard him preach? Do you think that's just, what do you think that's happening? That's happening by him sitting in that chair listening. And it's also happening because he has a personal devotional place with God and he's reading on his own. But what we still, I'm going to have to get off of that because I'm going to beat that rabbit in the ground. We will not build a monument to anybody in this room. You with me now? Let me tell you what plurality of leadership does. Is it takes the spotlight off of one individual and it puts the spotlight back on God. When leadership is right in the church, in the congregation, leadership should be in the peripheral vision and Jesus should be in the center of the vision. When, when, my good God, when Jesus is in the peripheral vision and leadership is in the center of the vision, we have man made worship. All right. I won't be able to sit in my office all day tomorrow, so I won't be preaching like <laughs> Huh? I'll listen to this. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 27 28. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, and various kinds of tongues. When God says this, this word first in the Greek is proton. It is not meaning that the apostle is greater than anybody else. Hello? Matt, Matt has the privilege of, he's been a lot of places with me how many places we've been at the first name of the, of the place we go into is led by apostle so and so there ain't no more an apostle than what my dog is at home now I always greet them and I'm very glad to meet them and I'm going to be nice but I mean I know whenever I shake their hand there's no way that this is an apostle standing in front of me How would you know that? Let me tell you the first sign without hearing them preach. I look at how the order is in their house. An apostle carries a plumb line within his heart. And the first thing he spots is disorder. <laughs> I, <laughs> I come out of my office today one time. And Matt said they had been working for two days on one project. It was a very strenuous project. We was hanging new lights in here. And we had lift in here, and they was doing it. And I come out of my office, one thing, they've been working for 10 hours on this project, and I point out the one thing they've done wrong. Matt said, get back in the office. If I go to make change at the grocery store, I cannot put money in my wallet if they're not in order. I put 20s, 10s, 5s, and then 1s in my wallet in category. Apostles carry a plumb line. They're master builders. And they carry something within their heart to be able to spot disorder. Not only in the church as far as if a chair is out of order, but they spot the disorder what is built on man-made system. That's why when they find something other than God, they will hit it like a wrecking ball. Ah, oh, let's get off. Listen to this. So when God says first, 
1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul said, first, I have sat in the church. Who set them in the church? God. Not granny voted them in. Not the church thought that, hey, they're a good businessman, so they might be a good leader. No, God said, first, I placed in the church apostles, second prophets. Third, pastors, teachers. Apostles and prophets are foundation gifts. Evangelist, pastor, and teacher are building gifts. They are the ones that build the structure on top of the foundation in which the apostle and prophet lays. This is why we must value the teacher because he grounds the church in the truth that the, that the prophet who is guiding and the apostle that is building, he grounds the church in that truth that is being released out. Are you with me? And evangelists, they, they, they gather they gather. Evangelist doesn't win souls. This is where we've made a mistake. We thought, and here, here's what set me free. Because I've, I've always asked God, what is wrong with me that I don't want to give altar calls and get people saved? When God called me into the ministry in 1998, when I was 18 years old, God said, go tell the church to get on fire. First of all, the fivefold is not given for the lost. They're given for the saved. Come on, can I teach up in here just for... Ten more minutes. The fivefold is not given for the lost. They're given for the saved. I am a gift to this church. That's what the Bible says I am. I am a gift that God has given to Cornerstone for the equipping of the saints. You are to be a witness. Hello? You are to be a witness and win souls. I am to train and equip you how to do it. So an evangelist's call is not to come into church and win souls. The evangelist comes in to deposit the grace that is on his life to cause you to burn for the lost to go win the souls. And the prophet's job is to not to give you a word of prophecy. The prophet's job is to circumcise your ear so that you can hear God. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. When the prophet is in the house, you shouldn't be thinking about, do you? You should hear God on your own when the prophet's in the house. You don't have to have him speak to you. You can hear God for yourself when the prophet's in the house. What does he give the church to receive a prophet's reward? What is his reward? Hearing God. Lord, I'm preaching. I'm preaching right here tonight. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to take my offering. Glory to God. Page three. Paul said apostles are first. It doesn't mean they're more important, but simply first in order. Apostle and prophets carry a grace to lay foundation. The other three evangelists, pastor, and teachers are building ministry. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 3, 10, 11. According to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. And another is building on it. But each man be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one. Listen to this. Apostles carry specific and unique grace to reveal the person of Jesus to his body. The role of apostles are not to father and just plant churches. They are to reveal the person of Jesus to the church. Did you hear what I just said? We thought in this first wave of apostolic that apostles were fathers and their call was to go out and plant churches. You don't have to be an apostle to go plant a church. It happens all across America. They lay it with the wrong foundation. I believe apostles should set elders in the church. Don't look at me like because we're going to just stop right here and go through the scriptures. You didn't see an evangelist set no elders in the church. The evangelists went out and gathered. Souls were born into the kingdom. The apostles came behind them. That's why Paul and them show up in Ephesus in, in Acts 19 and said, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? They said, we've not even heard of the Holy Spirit. We're only baptized into John's baptism. That tear the Baptist up what they believe right there, but I ain't got time to jump on it tonight. They already were saved. They were baptized into John's baptism, but they had not heard of the Holy Spirit's, the Holy Spirit's empowerment. What was Paul and what was Paul and, and, and Silas going behind into Ephesus for? They were going in to lay the foundation of that church. They were going to set up elders in that church. Who did they set up as a young pastor and elder in that church? Timothy. 
Paul's beloved son who he said, do not despise your youth, but be thou an example in leading the flock of God. Come on, somebody. And that's where he told him, he said, he said, don't forget to do the work of an evangelist. He sets him up in, in that church. Here's another thing. Apostles don't fly in and fly out. They stay married and stay in that ground and they're called to cities. This is the problem why we can't do nothing in regions. We got denominational headquarters that send three preachers in to show out in front of the congregation see who they want to come preach. No, I believe a man has to be sent. There is a lot of people that went. And when you went, you ain't got no power. But when you have been sent, come on somebody. There's a force back in you whenever Everybody stands up against you. God will be there to see you through because he sent you to that city. I'm preaching tonight. My God, I ain't going to have to get on no elliptical tonight. I'm throwing down right here. The heart rate up about 160. Plowing. Listen to me. We got men in cities that could care less about the city. They just there working a job in the church like you go to work at the construction job side in the morning. My God, this ain't a job. This is a lifestyle. Did you hear what I'm preaching? The gospel is not a job and it's not a vocation. It is a calling that something. My God, my God. I, I got to come on. We're going to travel fast right here. Listen to this. They carry a specific and a unique grace to reveal the person of Jesus to his body. Apostles connects us to a true head, source, and foundation of the cornerstone. The apostles won't be pointing you to, to, to themselves. They're going to be pointing you to Jesus. They're not going to say, come follow me. They're going to say, come follow the Lord. Come on, somebody. They're going to connect you to the vine where you yourself can be fed. Oh, Lord Jesus. All right, ready? True apostles would tear down any other foundations besides Jesus Christ they encounter in the house of God. Apostles establish doctrine of Christ. They establish the doctrines of Christ. They father, they correct, they correct defects, ordain elders, uproot, tear down false doctrines, and challenge false teachers. These mandates require great time and effort on their part in a community of believers. You cannot build nothing in five years. Wealth ain't accumulated in five years. Riches are, but wealth is not. Wealth takes a lifetime to build. And what we're building in here will never be built in my lifetime. See, that bothers people. But what are we doing? We're laboring with our hands tireless night and day that when I come in here and Ava had that mic in her phone singing unto the Lord, that is the generation that's going to take us in. Hello. Just to show you if you do that, what was in the fruit of his travels? He travels to Jessup, pours into a church where I'm some young buck, 21-year-old, think I can preach the high heavens and back. But what is the fruit of that? Now I stand here this year, be a 40-year-old grown man preaching the gospel. This is what's going to happen. The Jakes, the Judas, our children in this house, this is what we're laboring for. This is what apostolic ministry is. Apostolic ministry lives with a legacy mindset knowing that what we're building, we're building something to last. And we know if we build it on me, when I die, it's over with. All right. I'm on, let me just skip this right here. I want to show you this one thing in the last five minutes. I'm going to skip some of this right here. It's good though. My God is good. But I'm going I'm to I'm save that right there. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that for another time. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. This is hot off the press. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. I want to show you this. That here's the thing. We heard a message a while back. And we were talking about this. Samuel wept because God told him. And this is what God spoke to Samuel and said, How long you weep for the house of Saul? This is what is happening in America. People are weeping for the house of Saul. And they're afraid to go anoint David, the young buck, whom God has groomed out in the field, in the wilderness. 
where he's been faithful over a few sheep guarding them by night and day and when the lion come in to steal one of the sheep he rose up and attacked it and the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he killed the lion and when the bear came in by night to try to steal one of the small lambs out of the flock he rose up in the spirit of the Lord and took out the lion and the bear and so Samuel's mourning over Saul let me tell you right here I'm not afraid to look in any camera and say this what is the house of Saul denominations they're crumbling by the waysides they're crumbling by the waysides don't tell me I know enough I talk to a lot of people come on somebody they're crumbling by the wayside don't think that they up there shouting and tifting got it going on their churches are struggling left and right but that upset some folk right there But God was telling him, why are you longing back? I'm done with that. I'm not telling you. Listen, don't don't take me where I'm not going. There is anointed men and I still go to those systems. And I was just in one two weeks ago preaching the gospel. Okay. I'm still in. I have a lot of friends that are in the in the system. But what they but here's the thing. If you put a God called apostle in that system, you shut him down because he can't operate. What makes the president work in this nation is we have a government that supports a president. Everybody that's got a pastor out there, pastor so-and-so doesn't mean he walks in the office of a pastor. He could be an evangelist. David, how long, I mean, how long are you going to mourn over Saul? Rise up. Rise up. Go to the house of Jesse, for I've called one out of his own household, a man after my own heart. Y'all got time to roll with me right here for just a few minutes. One of the reasons why Samuel struggled when he got up to Jesse, because God sent him to anoint a man, but when he showed up, he found a boy. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But God knew there was a man inside the boy. He just hadn't matured up into the full office that God had called him to yet. He was still walking a little premature, but yet God had chose him and he was about to go on a journey and he was about to go have to serve a man named Saul in his own house and that man would pursue him and try to kill him. When Saul went to go anoint Samuel, It was not God's choosing, but the people's choosing. You remember this? When Samuel went before God and said, God, the people desire a king like the other nations. And he spoke back to Samuel and he said, Samuel, he said, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. Go anoint Saul. When he took him to go anoint Saul, he put the oil in some earthen clay type picture that he went to go approach Saul to anoint him with. When he saw that, that was a man-made picture and God was letting them see with the oil that he was toting it with, this wasn't his idea, this was their man-made idea. But when he went to Jesse's house, he went with the ram's horn, which was God's anointing. Come on, somebody. Oh my God, I'm about to preach up in here. God said, listen, when you walk to Jesse's house, this ain't going to be whom they chose because they wouldn't have never chosen because Jesse didn't like him to start with because he was born illegitimate, most theologians believe, and he had that child hid in the field. Can I tell you, God's got people hid we ain't never even heard of, but I'm telling you, they about to come out. They out in the wilderness, crying in the wilderness, saying, my God, I'm sick of religion. I'm sick of man-made system. There got to be more to this thing. Where's the God of Elijah? Where's the book of Acts at so he goes and he he anoints and pours that horn out over him and this is what God has given us grace to do is to pour the ram's horn over this new wine skin in which he's building and see it frees us up to build because we're not trying to build big we're not trying to build numbers we're trying to build people we're not forced to build wide we're forced to build deep so we're not trying to create something because we know the bigger the building is the more the, more the power building all this is going to cost come on somebody what we would rather do is run the people in like Bethel who can only sit a thousand people but run eight thousand on Sunday they preach five or six times but you know what instead of paying for big buildings they put money on the mission field and we changing the earth hello if we just had the my God I'm going to get off if we just had the money that's been wasted we'd be doing something tonight I'm not talking about here. I'm talking about the church's globe. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. We close with this. I'm just closing. I'm telling you, I preach all night. Now, this is one of them deals. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be preaching in my sleep. I preach in my sleep. I was talking to one uh, generally. Come up. I saw her at the school. She was checking out her child and said that they had to stay because y'all was building out in Florida. And they said they don't like to sleep with you because you build all night in your sleep. Well, I preach all night in my sleep. I preach to Catherine because she needs it. She needs extra word spoke over her. There she is. See at the back. When they move to the back, you know something's going on, church, right there. Something's happening in the heart when they move to the back. That's the next sign. They're out the door. Look how close it is. She come in late. She had to go get Grant. I'm just playing. You with me? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. We're closing right here with this. It says this. He has given us. I'm reading out the Passion. Let me read it out of New King James right here. I know, but I'm, I'm jumping by. I, I will never let you box me in. I'll read it out of there. Let's read it out of the Passion. And he's, generally given, he, he's, he's generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why he says, Gavin, pull up on the screen. Pull up on the screen. Psalms. Psalm 68, verse 18. Pull up on the screen. And he has generally given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. This is why he says, He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured ones with him. And gifts were given to men. He ascended means that he returned to heaven. And he, and, and he had first descended from the heights of heaven, even descending as far as the lower parts of the earth. The same one who descended is also the one who ascended above the heights of the heaven in order to begin the restoration and the fulfillment of all things. Look at this. And he has appointed some with grace to be apostles, some with grace to be prophets, and some with grace to be an evangelist, and some with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. Let's finish right there. Paul did not come up with this revelation on his own. He actually stole this revelation. And he stole this revelation out of the book of Psalms from David who had first received the revelation. There's nothing new under the sun. Come on, somebody. So he's gleaning back and he pulls something that David had found about this verse and here it is. I'm in verse 18, not 14. Let's go right there. Psalm 68, verse 18. He ascends into the heavenly heights, taking his many captured one with him, leading them in triumphal procession and gifts were given to men, even the once rebellious so they may joil with Yahweh pull that up in the New King James Version if you will this is one of the times that the New King James does this more justice than what Brian Simmons does New King James you got it I will wait for you come on you have ascended on high. You have led captivity captive. You have received gifts among men, even the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Listen to me. Ephesians 4, verse 11. When Paul is quoting this, when David said that the Lord God may dwell there, Paul finishes it with apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. When these five are present, God is dwelling amongst us. The reason why the church cannot rise in maturity is because it has not seen the expression of God modeled in front of it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But when we see the expression before us as he is, so are we in the world. Come on, somebody. And you can't be something you don't see. This is why the church in America is weak and feeble. Because we do not recognize Christ's gifts. These are not gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts of Christ. Let me tell you this. Here's another thing that you will never see. You never see in Scripture a man's name that a title preceding a man's name. So we call him Apostle John. Apostle Steve. That's not even biblical. The Bible says Paul, an apostle of Christ. 
Because the title is the title is doesn't make you important. The one whom called you makes you important. And it also lets you know that you are not your office. Most people love the anointed John, the preacher. But I'm really just a boy that loves the woods, hunts and fishes, and enjoys reading. I'm not my gift. And so if we don't have to learn how to honor people without their gift, we burn them completely out. Because you're forced to use your gift all the time. (laughs) When I'm in a boat, I'm going to preach just sometimes naturally out of my heart. But I enjoy going fishing with Clay and not have to worry about preaching. Because he just loves me for who I am. What God is trying to do is bring the earth, the church, to where these expressions are released before us. So that where David said that God may dwell with us. But Paul, when he writes God dwelling with us, he says that he's dwelling with us in the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. And you can only receive the grace in which you honor. Whatever you dishonor moves away from your life. Whatever you honor will move closer to your life. You with me? So if you begin to honor other graces, they will come upon your life. This is the only way we're ever going to be the fitly mature man that Ephesians talks about, the fully furnished man that is fitly. You with me? Let me just drop you with this deal because I just want to say it's bad to the bone. That I was listening to this guy and this is what he said. And I've heard Damon teach on this and I believe this is where Damon got it from. The church... We said, we're well, just sheep, right? We're just sheep of his pastures. Well, if we remain as our identity as sheep, God will never have intimacy with the sheep because he said in his word in Leviticus that it is unlawful for a man to lay with any beast like he lays with his wife. So if God restricted a man in the book of Leviticus for having intimate relations with an animal, do you think God is about to relate to an animal? God relates to a bride. And that's why he gave us the Song of Solomon. And so this revival that God is trying to bring forth is going to be brought forth in this church that walks in bridal identity. Can can I leave you with this? He's going to bring it forth in this church that walks in bridal identity. Because it is the bride that has intimacy with the Father. And when we have intimacy with the Lord, we know him. We get impregnated with his word. Come on, somebody. You with me now? People look like, well, they're freaking out. Paul illustrates this in Ephesians 5 of a wedding. Come on, somebody. He's not talking about attending a natural wedding. He's talking about something way higher than that, that the only thing on the earth he can communicate it with is a husband and wife, a wedding, what is happening in the realm of the Spirit. And as we become impregnated, With the word of God, we become pregnant. When a woman is impregnant, her breasts produce milk. What has to happen when children are born into the kingdom? They need the sincere milk of the word to be raised up. But it goes on to say that God will never put his head, what we're talking about, the fullness of the headship, he will never place it on a woman's body. So we must move beyond the bridal identity into the sons where we can wear the head. Because when Jesus said foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, he was not talking about he had nowhere to spend the night. What he was saying is the son of man has not raised up a church on the earth yet that he can lay his headship of authority upon. But I'm going to raise up a ball of people that walk in kingdom mentality. Come on, somebody, in intimacy with me that I can transfer this headship that's right here now. I can transfer it on them. And they will produce the signs, wonders, and miracles that will birth people into the kingdom of God. Church, what I'm telling you tonight is we got a long way to go. But we are traveling at the speed of light. We growing overnight. Come on, somebody. You ain't in the same place you was Sunday morning. And you ain't going to be in the same place this Sunday as you is tonight. 
And so this identity, when we talk about Psalms 133, and we've, we've quoted that for years, how blessed it is when the brethren dwell together in unity, for it is, it is as the old that rode upon Aaron's beard down to his robes. That word dwell together in unity ain't talking about us fellowshipping together. It ain't talking about black folk and white folk and, and, and Spanish folk and all of us coming together. How blessed it is when the brethren dwell in unity. The Bible says that Jesus is not now, he's not the only son of God. He's the first begotten of many brethren. He is your elder brother. And so when you learn how to commune with your elder brother, notice it's a beard. That's not a young man. That's a mature man. Boys can't produce beards. Come on, somebody. But grown men can grow a beard. And as you fellowship with him, that, that oil off of your elder brother will get into the beard of the church. This is where we're going. I know I'm talking some heavy stuff, but I'm telling you, this is what God is building in Sparks, Georgia. Come on, somebody. Raise your hands. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for getting in the Word. God, we thank you for the realm that we feel in this room tonight. My God, we feel the kingdom of God alive in this place tonight. God, fill our hearts with your glory. Let us rest tonight in the presence of God. Let us awake in the morning in the presence of God. Let us worship you like never before. And fill us with your glory. May we display your glory, your goodness, your righteousness on the earth every day we walk. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Sunday. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.